He's good, right? Awesome. You guys can have a seat. And uh, this morning, we're actually going to finish up uh, for this year the series. Uh, this is the gospel. We're going to come back to it in, uh, in February, but we're going to do a little Christmas uh, intervention here uh, the next few weeks. And uh, then in January, we've got a couple things coming up. And so today we're, we're, we're in, back in the book of Mark. I know last week we kind of took a little turn. We were, we were in the book of Luke. And uh, today we're going to be wrapping up chapter three. And I, I think it's going to be a good message today. I really believe this. I believe that God is going to encourage your faith if you let him. I believe that today God is going to impart a, a supernatural belief and trust in him if you let him. And uh, this morning I actually want to start kind of in a, in a fun way. Can we do that? Can we have fun in church a little bit? Well, we do, we do this game uh, at my house with my kids, and, and they'll put on like a YouTube video, and it shows uh, some of like part of a logo, but it doesn't have the full logo, and then you have to guess what it's for. Have you guys ever done that? It's like the, the, those mindless, meaningless games that you do on your phone, and I figured we could do it in church. So that's where we're going to start off today. So I have, a couple, I have a couple of slides. I also have them here just in case you can't see it if you're, you're watching online, but we're going to go ahead and pop this first one up, and if you, if you know it, just go ahead and yell it out what it is. All right, go ahead. Dove. Hopefully, everybody used this this morning. And if the person next to you did not know what this is, I gave you permission to move over a seat, all right? All right, here, let's, let's see this next one here. This next one here, do you, do you recognize this? Jif. What is Jif? Peanut butter. Man, you guys are good. You guys are good. This one's an easy one. This one's super easy. You guys have probably seen this like 10 times a day at your house in your driveway. Why do they come at like 11 at night now too? Those people never stop working. I don't know what it is. Amazon, Amazon. This is for you who were, uh, you, you gotta be of a certain age, I guess, to know this. All the old people resounding with Blockbuster. I, I'm not gonna lie, I kinda miss Blockbuster. The smell of like greasy popcorn carpet and like those, those lights that are strobing with all... Man, when I could go and get an N64 game and a movie on the weekend, that was, that was it. All right, who, who knows this one? Harley Davidson, all right. So, so you guys are good. You, you, when I'm not stumping you too much, this one, Coca-Cola, okay, okay. And here, we got one more, one more. Let's see. Again, if the person next to you said that real fast, give you complete permission to move over a seat. You don't know what's coming out the back end of people that are too experienced with Taco Bell. But I, so, so I know that's, that's fun and all, but, but really this, this morning the, the, the premise is this, is that we can look and we can observe from different signs that are in front of us and we can put the pieces together, right? And, and we can try and figure out, okay, what is this just by the, you know, it's missing the words and all that kind of stuff, but I can put the pieces together and know exactly what it is, especially if we're familiar with it, exposed to it, surrounded by it. We can put the pieces together. And so this morning, I actually want to talk to you uh, today around the title of I've Seen Too Much. I've Seen Too Much. And so as you're, you're looking at this, these, these aren't that hard because you, you've seen them, right? And, and I've, I've given you enough of the pieces I've given you enough of the picture that you can go ahead and put it together and, and figure out what it's representing, right? And, and so I wanna talk to you around the title of I've seen too much, and I'm not talking about when you walk into your grandparents' house and your grandpa's in his underwear. I, I'm not talking, uh, I was telling somebody this week about a lovely story when I walked into the gym at Planet Fitness. Just cover your eyes if you ever go in the men's room at Planet Fitness because you will see some naked old dude. 
But as we dive into Mark chapter three, we're, we're gonna see uh, a passage that a lot of times we can read and we can think it's about one thing, and I think it, it does highlight that, but I think there's some deeper meaning and some principles that we need to evaluate our lives in light of. And we're gonna find out what happens when there's people that, that see a lot of what, what Jesus can do, but, but what happens when the evidence isn't enough? What happens when it's right in front of their face, but they can't put the pieces together? And so we're going to be picking up in Mark chapter 3. And just a little bit of context to where we are, just because if you forget or if you haven't been with us, we have in this situation where, where Jesus has, has come and he's healed a demoniac. What that means is this. There was a, a man who was possessed by a demon, and, and, and the way it was showing itself was that he was blind and, and he was dumb. He was... He was uh, physically impaired so people around him could look and see that there is something coming against him and I just want to go ahead and if you're reading your bible and you're you're trying to figure out does that mean every time I'm sick I got a demon no no that's not what this is saying but but there was a lot of moments where the demons would come and they would they would oppress or they would uh, uh, they would be in, in in someone's life and it would show some outward results that looked like sickness and so Jesus is coming and and as these people are asking for outward healing, he comes and he says, no, I'm gonna give inward healing. And so he's, he's healing these people. He's setting them free from the oppression that they were suffering. And, and all these people, these crowds, they begin to gather and they're praising him and exalting him and, and they're filled with wonder. And now he's got this crowd that's following him everywhere he goes because they've seen him do miracles. They've seen him do mighty things. They've seen him heal the, the man who was uh, lowered down on the mat and and then, so Jesus, he decides, I'm gonna get some time away with, with me and some of the guys that I, I've, I've called out of their, their normal livelihood, and I'm gonna appoint them to be what's called apostles. And apostles, that, that word just is apostello. In, in the original language, it just means a sent one. One that has a mission, one that has a purpose that they are assigned to, and they are sent to go complete it. And so, so Jesus gathers around, and he, he appoints his apostles, and he sends them out to go do great works and What happens is this, is that when Jesus goes anywhere, that crowd comes back. And now we even see that Jesus' family is coming. They're trying to get him, hey, would you just stop doing this? You're kind of drawing all this attention and it's not gonna be good for you. Are you out of your mind? And then we pick up in verse 22 that in light of all of this craziness that is going on around the work of Jesus, we're gonna find what happens when the evidence is not enough. And it says this, and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul. Now, I want you to know this. This is a, uh, some, some translations might say Beelzebub. Some, some might say Beelzebel. Basically, this is, this is not a, uh, an, an official title or, or word for anything that we have in Scripture, but what it's referring to is, is the devil. It's saying the, the, some interpretations say that it's the Lord of the flies. Some say it's the, the Lord of the dead. It's the, the, the prince of darkness. So there's all these different translations of what this could mean. But basically, all in all, what they're saying is this. He's possessed by Satan. And who are they saying this about? Jesus. They've seen the work that he's done, and they're trying to justify it in some way. And it says he's possessed, he's possessed by Satan. And it's by the prince of demons that he cast out the demons. And Jesus, he called to them, again, always perceptive, and he said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, 
the house will not be able to stand. Y'all thought that was Abe Lincoln, but Jesus said it first, right? And if a house is divided against itself, it can't stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. So the first point that I want you to write down this morning, whether you've got your phone, whether you've got a notebook, whatever it is, I want you to write this down. Division destroys. Division destroys. We can actually see this so clearly in this passage that Jesus is saying, even if, if, if Satan is divided against himself, if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. So if, if Jesus is saying this about Satan, if Jesus is saying this about a house, does this not apply to us? Does this not apply to his church, the body of Christ? Division destroys. One of the core values that we have here at Keystone is unity, that, that God is one, three and one, and, and we are gonna act as one. We're gonna walk in unity. And so if you've been around us for too long, I, I hope you, you've perceived that, that we're not here in competition, ministry against ministry. We're not here in competition, person against person, platform against platform, church against other church. You know what? Next church is not our enemy. Calvary is not our enemy. Emmanuel is not our enemy. There's, there's not churches in the area that we're looking at and saying, yo, it's us versus them. No, it's us versus the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of God. The body of Christ is one. So division destroys. We will not walk in division. And so even the way that we behave, the way that we act, the way that we respond, we want to respond in unity, even though the flesh always wants to divide. Have you noticed that? So even the way that we talk about one another, even the way that we, we address one another, we want to do it in, in a spirit of unity, not uniformity, not that we all got to look alike, but even when we disagree, even when there's areas that we can't all fully come into alignment, we're still going to walk hand in hand, carrying the kingdom of God forward. We're going to walk in unity. In Titus 3.10, I think uh, Paul is writing here and he's expressing how important unity is, that he's even saying if there's people that are coming against unity in the church, unity in the body of Christ, this is how you're to respond. It says, Titus 3.10, as for a person who stirs up division. This isn't just a person that just so happens to be a situation of, of, of disunity. No, this is somebody who stirs up division. How many of you right now, you're already thinking of somebody in your mind. You're like, yep, I know who you're talking about right now. Somebody who just goes around and they're always stirring the pot. They're always trying to, to, to get somebody divided against somebody else. And they're drawing these lines and they're trying to, to get us pitted against each other. So what do you do with the person who stirs up division? After warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Again, we, we talked about this a little bit last week of, of, of tearing down the fence, you know, and, and when Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Plains that he's saying, tear down the offense against your enemy. But what do we do and how do we handle people who are coming in, who are inside the body of Christ, who are trying to infight and trying to destroy and knock us down at the knees by creating division? We talk to him once, we talk to him twice, and if they don't respond, if they don't listen, Scripture actually tells us that we need to separate ourselves from such people because disunity is contagious. There is a spirit of disunity on the church in America right now. And I think we may not have a ton of influence on the Church of America, but we have influence over our church right here. And I can tell you this, we will not allow disunity to creep in. Amen, we will walk in unity. Let's continue on in Mark chapter three and verse 27. It says this, 
But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed, indeed he may plunder his house. The next point I want you to write down is this. Jesus triumphs. Jesus triumphs. And it's on the screen just in case you, you, you don't know how to spell triumph. Sound it out, right? But what this verse is, is saying is this. We've seen the evidence that Jesus has called out demons from many people in his ministry. And what Jesus is saying is, is, is this. He's saying, hey, no one enters a strong man's house and just does whatever they want when the strong man is right there without first binding up the strong man. Then he can plunder the house. And Jesus is saying this, you know what I'm telling you, you Pharisees, you scribes? I've already bound Satan. I am more powerful, I'm stronger, I'm greater. There's nothing that he can do that's gonna come against me that I'm not gonna be able to thwart and overcome. Jesus triumphs over everything. He wins. Many times we get so scared of the enemy, but we have to remind ourselves that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and gave Christ victory is the same spirit that lives within you and I as believers, then we don't have to be scared of the darkness. We just have to carry the light. I think it's funny that um, Noah, we have routines before bed and I think I've told you before, I'm a pretty routine person. Like, I just have certain things that I go about, but I've already seen it, you know, with my kids. And, and so we have this routine, and uh, I'll go through all of bedtime, and I'll put Noah to bed, and then I'll walk out of his room. But if I forget one thing, he always tells me that I got to go and flip on his closet light. And he keeps his closet door just, you know, the little cracks so the light can, can shine in because he's, he's scared of, of the, the darkness, right? And, and so I, I love that. And I was thinking about this week that, that so many of us as Christians, we are walking in a world of darkness and we're scared of the darkness. But you know what you do when you're scared of the dark? You turn on the light. You carry the light. You acknowledge the light that Jesus has placed inside of you, that you don't have to be scared of it because you're carrying victory with you. That the power of Jesus lives inside you and I as believers. So we don't have to look around in fear. We don't have to look around scared of what's happening around us in the world. Because we know in the end that Jesus wins. Colossians 2. It says this. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside. Nailing it to the cross. And I love this in verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Can I tell you, even as, as crazy as the world seems right now, did you know that the enemy's bound? And did you know this too, that the enemy already knows what's going to happen in the end? The enemy knows that God is, is, is who he is. The enemy knows that, that God created the heavens and the earth, that, that, that God is the all-powerful, all-knowing. So, so the enemy is sitting here. You know, what, you know what's happening is, is the enemy is trying to, it's like if you push somebody in a pool, what's, like what's the first reaction to the person going in the pool? They're trying to pull you in with them, right? The enemy knows he's going down, but he's just trying to pull as many people with him as possible. 
And he's trying to create this illusion that he's an equal with God. He is not equal with God. He's not on the same playing field with God. He's not even in the same arena with God because Jesus is powerful and Jesus has overcome. And what if, what, what if we just lived like that? What if we had that, percept, that perception everywhere we went that Jesus has already overcome, that Jesus is powerful, that Jesus is greater, that there's nothing here that can, that can trip me up if I'm walking in alignment with Jesus and if I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and if I'm walking in submission to the truth that God has given me that I am more than an overcomer and that his Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I love Psalm 119, 105, if anybody, I don't know, does anybody know Psalm 119, 105? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I just wanna encourage you, some of you, you, you feel like you're walking in the darkness, just trying to keep that little flicker of, of light going on, and you're like, I go to church, and I even go to community group, and, and I do all this different stuff, and, and I listen to K-Love, K-Love but you still feel like, man, why do I feel like I'm just living in this darkness? Can I tell you what? Hide his word in your heart. Get in his word, not just as a textbook, not just, not just as, as academic work to dive in and just say I accomplished this and checked it off, but get in his word and learn his truth and let his truth saturate your heart because it says that his word is a light unto our path, that even when we feel like we're walking and wandering in the darkness, that his word will encourage us, his word will guide us, his word will give us the strength to keep on going. And that's not just a Bible verse a day on your Bible app when you're getting in your car and, and running around and going to work, you, you've got to take some time at some point to get in and say, I got to pray through this. I got to read this. I got to let this, this word of God read me so that I can see where is my heart not in alignment with the truth of his word. Let his word be your light. In Mark chapter three, verse 28, it says, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man. And whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. <laughs> How many of you guys grew up in church and you heard of the unpardonable sin, the unforgivable sin, and you just lived in fear, like, did I do it? Have I committed it? Did, did, I, did, I, did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Am I, am, I, like, am, I, am I not worthy of forgiveness now? And can I tell you something? This is not the intent of this passage. The intent of this passage is not to cause us to live in fear of did we do it or not. And can I just go ahead and tell you, if you're thinking that, I don't think you did. There's a couple different perspectives on, on this, this passage. And I, trust me, this week I, I dove into a lot of different commentaries because I wanted to get a, a different variety of perspectives to understand what, what do uh, theologians and academics, what do they think that the unforgivable sin, what does this passage actually mean? And can I tell you, I'll tell you my perspective and then I'll tell you a couple of different perspectives that are out there as well. I believe that in this context, when you look at what Jesus is saying, who is he writing to? He's writing to the scribes who had hardened their hearts so much against Jesus that even in the face of miracles, they're denying that it was the power of God. You notice they never denied the miracles. 
They never sat there and said, surely he didn't do that. Surely he didn't cast out that demon. Surely he didn't, he didn't raise that man to walk. Surely he didn't heal that blind man. No, every single time they have to come and turn it around that he broke the law or he's doing it in a power that is not from God. And what I actually think is this, is, and this is, this is my perspective, I think that if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you have put your faith and trust in him, you've already received the greatest work of the Holy Spirit, which is the regeneration inside of you, and I don't believe you can commit this unforgivable sin. That's my perspective. Okay, now, now there are some other perspectives here that, that if, you, um, if you come and you deny the Holy Spirit enough or you come against his power, basically what was happening is this. The, the scribes were attributing the work of Jesus to the work of the devil. So there's some people that believe that nowadays that if you come and you acknowledge the, the work that Jesus, obviously, God obviously did, and, and you attribute that to something other than the Holy Spirit, if you attribute that to a negative evil spirit, then you are committing that blasphemy. I just, I don't know if I go that far. That's just me though. I, I'm not gonna tell you what to think, what to believe or not. But again, I don't think that this is the intent of this passage. Not for us. What I believe the intent of this passage is, is to encourage our faith. I think it's for us to step back and, and, and acknowledge the work that Jesus has done in front of our face again and again and again, the faithfulness that he's had, the, the miracles, the, the mountains that he's moved, the things that he's done that nobody else can take credit for except for him and give him praise and glory. The, the point that I want you to write down is this, believing is seeing. Like, didn't you get that reversed? <laughs> no. You see, because you can look at the, the Pharisees, the scribes, and all these people that they had, they had seen every, everything right in front of their faces. They'd literally seen a paralytic pick up his mat and walk out of the building. They've seen men who were out of their mind, possessed by demons who couldn't hear, who couldn't speak, who couldn't do anything, and all of a sudden they, they see Jesus come and speak over them, and they're healed, and they're restored. So many times we are waiting to see something from God to believe in him, and he's waiting for us to put our trust and faith in him so he can show us really who he is. There is not one story in the Bible that I look at that God did something great where he showed the whole story ahead of time. There's not one instance that I can think of that I look at in the Bible where God did something amazing and it was just, oh yeah, you spelled it all out and we can see it so clearly and we don't even have to believe that much at all. No, it's great steps of faith that see a great move of God. And so it's not that we, we see it first and then we believe it. It's that when we believe it, you know what happens? God opens our eyes to begin to recognize all the different moments all the different circumstances, all the different things that he has done our entire lives to get us to this point that we just thought was us, we just thought was circumstance, we just thought it was, it was just something that was happening when Jesus was looking at us and saying, you know, I love you so much that I got a plan and purpose for you and you're not gonna see it all right now. But once you put your trust in me, you're gonna begin to look back and see my faithfulness again and again and again and again. I know I've shared this story a lot, but this is the biggest thing that I think I've ever done in my life is start a church. And, um, and for me, it, it actually started in a completely different situation, circumstance. I was actually looking to go get a job somewhere else. 
And in my mind, I was saying, I will never start a church. I've seen my parents go through it. I've seen other people go through this. this I, I don't think that's me. I don't know that I have that in me. And as we kept praying and praying and praying, Amanda and I, we, we came to this conclusion that this is what God was calling us to do. Can I just tell you, I didn't hear an audible voice. Some of you, you're waiting for that audible voice for the room to shake. You're waiting for just like this like roof to open up and, and the, the voice of God to come down shining and like birds and stuff to be flying around. God speaks in the quiet, still moments. And so it was through uh, continual moments of just seeking him and seeking him and seeking him that I began to, to feel him shift my heart, my mind to this. And, and I didn't tell Amanda for a while. And Amanda then came in, you know, after a couple months that I'd been kind of feeling this. And she says, hey, I think this is kind of what we're supposed to do. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because the worst thing was that I feel like I've heard from God and she says, no way. And, and, and then we went through this process. And, and can I tell you something? I, I had a lot of frustrations in different parts of the process, and I'm not a very patient person, and so I had to learn to be patient in this. COVID came and, and, and like elongated the whole process for us. There was all sorts of different things that, were, that I felt like were getting in my way, but now I can stand here so confidently this morning and say it was the hand of God every step of the process that I thought it wasn't working out, it wasn't going to plan, it wasn't how I thought it was gonna be. I've seen him move. And even in the moments where I was a little questioning and unsure of how it's going to work out, you know what's funny? God wasn't wondering and questioning how it was going to work out. He was making a way. And now in this moment, I can look back because I, I stepped out. We stepped out in faith and, and we took those steps little by little. We took those steps and, and little by little, we began to have those conversations and begin to put things in motion. And then we look back and it's like, oh, hey, somebody gave enough money to, to pay for all our stuff. What? You know, oh, oh, we, we already have these people. We already have this facility. We already have all these different things that God was lining up that I was sitting here just trusting him. But if I would have waited for, for all those doors to open, I, I promise you I would not be as grateful, as thankful, and as humbled and dependent on him that I am right now. I didn't get us here. Our staff didn't get us here. Uh, our wisdom and intellect didn't get us here. Even our sending church, as awesome as they, they've been to us, they didn't get us here. It was only the power of God that got us here to where we are. And we are just getting started. We're here to make a difference. We're here to see nothing short of revival in this community. We're here to make a difference in the lives of people who are hurting and broken. And you know what's great is it doesn't depend on me. That's the best part of this is when you start walking in this and you start looking for the hand of God all over your life you begin to realize it's not dependent on you. It's not about you. It's about God working through you, the power of the Holy Spirit anointing you for the purpose and the plan that he has called you to. So it's not about seeing it to believe it. It's about believing it. And then you see him work. You see him move. And the saddest thing for me was that these scribes had every advantage that we ever wished we could have to be in the room with Jesus to see every mighty miracle. And their hearts were so hardened that they had to deny it. They had to discount it. Can I tell you, this should produce endurance in us. That even the, the, the greatest things that we can do as a church, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, even the greatest things that we can do, there's gonna be somebody that discounts it. 
that wants to attribute it to, oh, it was just luck, or it was just this, or it was just that, or you're only this way because you were in this, that raised in this family, or you had this job, and you had all these different things, but you have to just be able to turn back and say, no, you know what, I am only here by the grace of God. I'm only here by the mercy of God. You didn't climb up that ladder. God put you there. Stop stealing his glory. Amen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This has been one of my, uh, I guess, my, my theme verses of this past season. And I'm gonna ask, I don't know if Priscilla's here or not, if she can come play. And What I, I wanna do is I actually wanna take a few moments and I wanna, I wanna give you an opportunity to pray through this verse. Because I, I get it, I can come in here, I can share my story. I, I can come in here and I can share uh, my, my situation and I can come and I can, I can blast you with verse after verse after verse, but here's the reality. You have to hear from God for yourself. Now, faith cometh from hearing and hearing from the word of God. You have to be able to get in with the word of God and let the Holy Spirit speak to you in such a way that even if somebody comes and slaps you in the face with something opposing tomorrow, that you are standing so strong in the truth that God speaks to you. And so I'm just gonna, uh, this is one of the things we do in our, our foundations class and it's, it's, it's not about a formula. It's really not. It's, it's about you aligning your heart with God, inviting the Holy Spirit to come and speak, to show you something through this verse. What is it, the truth that you need to internalize? What is it that you need to believe? Some of you, you've been waiting to see something. You've been waiting to, for, for a certain thing for God to do, and God is just saying, won't you just step out of the boat, and you'll see that I've been planning this all along, that I've got you in my hands. I've got you safe. I've got you right where I want you to be, but I just need you to act in a little bit of faith. A little bit of faith. So just as Priscilla's playing, and the lights are up and everything else, I want you to look at this verse. I want you to keep your eyes on the verse. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I need to take from this today? What is it that I need to live out in this today?
this on the screens. I apologize, I forgot to put it in there, but the truth statement that I, I've been reminding myself of from this verse is Holy Spirit with your help based on the truth found in Hebrews 11.1. 1, I will live fully in faith and not be limited by what I can see. I'm gonna live fully in faith in you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out of the boat and I'm gonna put my faith in you so that I'm not limited by what I can see because there's a lot more going on than what I can perceive, what I can understand. There's more that God wants to do. And I think it's so telling even as you finish reading through the chapter three, Jesus is out here doing the work of the Father and you know who it is that comes against him because they, they're acting on what they see. It's his own family. It says his brothers and his mother came and they were begging him, Jesus, would you just stop all this nonsense and you're, you're causing too much of a storm, you're causing too much of a stir, you're causing too much craziness, they're gonna come against you, something's gonna happen to you, don't you see what's happening? These scribes, these Pharisees, they're gonna start to revolt against you, they're gonna raise the, the authorities against you. Jesus, would you just settle down, would you just stop it, would you just come with us, just, just come eat and come dine with us and come, come be like it used to be and Jesus is saying, no, I can't do what I used to do, I, I love you, I, I care for you, but here's the thing, I got to do what the Father is telling me to do because it's not based on what I see, what I perceive, what you can understand. It's based on the calling of God on my life. And what if we lived that way? What if we, we acted that way? We responded that way that even when people tell us we look foolish, we look weird. You know how many people looked at me funny in my neighborhood when I said, hey, I'm going to start a church? but that's the least of my worries. You know, we, we've gotten way too concerned with what people think. We've gotten way too concerned with, with what other people's opinions are when we could be missing out on the very work that God wants to do through us, in us, around us. What if those lives that we're so concerned about what they think are the very lives that God is calling us to change and impact by stepping out of the boat in faith, following in obedience and trusting in his power? seen too much of the world looking at the church as a powerless entity. I've seen too much of culture laughing and mocking at the work of God. I've seen too much of church people living as if there is no power and as if God isn't actually real and isn't the same God who is in this book. I've seen too much of that and I can't live in doubt anymore. I can't live in fear anymore. I've seen too much of that. I've seen too much of what happens when I live my life in my own power, in my own strength and denying the power of the Holy Spirit at work within me. I've seen too much. I can't stay where I've been because I've seen too much of what happens when I follow God little by little by little. And I'm encouraging you today, whatever it is, let God strengthen your faith because he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And when you step out, you're gonna see the power of God, the hand of God, the work of God, do things in and around you that you're gonna be amazed by. And every little step as you see him come through, you're gonna just be encouraged to take one more step and one more step, and one more step, and then you're gonna look back and you're not even gonna recognize who you used to be, the life that you used to live, the places you used to go, because you're gonna see that I'm a new creation in Christ when I put my faith and trust in him. So God, we have seen too much of your goodness to back down now.
God, we have seen too much of your faithfulness to start doubting and cowering and walking away from the power that you have given us in your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we know, we believe that we can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit if we put our trust in you, but Lord, I know we can grieve him. So God, forgive us when we grieved your Holy Spirit by walking like the world, by living like the world, by talking like the world, by, by living in the standards of the world and not by obedience in you, whatever it looks like, whatever it costs us, whatever we have to give, God, may you increase our faith today to trust in you. And God, I just pray for the person in this room that I just, I just sense there's some people right now that that the thoughts they're having is that's good for somewhere else. But you don't know, Pastor, you don't, you don't know the mess that I'm living in right now. And I just wanna tell you, God does. And when you submit yourself to him, he can pull you right up out of the muck and the mire and he can set you on a solid rock. Put your faith in him what would happen if the people in this room started living as if what the Bible says is real? <laughs> as, if, as if God still does the things that he said he would do. What would happen if we put our trust in him fully? How many lives could we impact? How many families could we change? God, break the spirit of fear. Break the, the spirit that, that is telling us that we're too small, too insignificant to make a difference. We're too busy to make a difference. God, I pray that we would let your light shine through us. God, I pray that you would break the spirit of apathy in our hearts towards the need and the mission that's all around us. And Holy Spirit, would we live fully, fully empowered by you? Holy Spirit, would we put our trust in you to see you move mountains, to see you do things that we could never ask or imagine? God, would we put our faith in you because you still light up the darkness. You still make a way. And God, we believe that your power is at work. Help us to come in alignment with that, no matter what we see.